Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome back to another episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast that's determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 366 days per year, in addition to revealing exactly how to get to Sesame Street tonight, because we got an answer. I'm Anthony. I'm Julia. And I'm Tom. And we are past Christmas in July. Can you believe that? No, it's crazy. It's the official downhill slope of the year now, which is exciting. Really, the downhill slope starts in June, not July. I've never understood why it's Christmas in July. It should be six months before in Christmas in June, right? Oh, why doesn't it start on Leon Day? Yeah. Yeah. Why isn't that the downhill slope? Yeah, why isn't that what we're building? I mean, it technically is. Hallmark starts their movies end of June. See, it's some marketing ploy... You should know the, this, Tom. I should know the answer to this. Thing, but it's something, there's, it's once upon a time, Hallmark decided, I want to sell more crap in July for Christmas. So let's make it. It's probably because July is really hot and it's the absolute, absolute opposite of Christmas. So they figured, okay, Christmas in July. July is hot. Our heat index last week, Anthony, was 116 degrees. That was mine yesterday. For real? 116 yeah. Yeah, it was awful the past two days, few days. And you don't get the nice plains where the wind does blow down the plains. You get big buildings. I'm on the river, though, luckily, so I get a little bit of a breeze. Mm. Ellie loves that movie, by the way, Julia. She loves Oklahoma? Mm -hmm. We were outside. We're painting our house, so we were putting up some paint colors on the... We were painting some paint colors because they're starting on Thursday. And we hadn't decided mm-hmm. our color yet. And so while we're doing this, we also just got some limestone rocks delivered to go around our, our garden. And uh, at oh, least nice. hopping on the rocks when not throwing away my, and then she jumped, shot. Not throwing <laughs> away my jump, shot. <laughs> I love it. That's so adorable. Our friend's daughter, who was born on the same day as Ellie, uh, she apparently goes around singing King George all the time. I mean, who doesn't? That's what I've been doing. (laughs) It's just funny to think of a four-year-old. Talking about murdering your friends and family? Yeah. I just, I don't. That was a fun episode, by the way, y'all. That was. If you're not patrons yet, that's a reason to pay a dollar a month to become a patron. Good night. That was fun. That was fun. How how were y'all's weeks? Well, we found out today all band competitions are canceled for the year. It was kind of a bummer. Is that a bummer for the parents or for the kids? Both. I love them. I like watching them. Like I would have had, I would have had two kids to watch March this year, which would have been extra fun. Um, but so that's not happening this year. But I told Hannah, I'm like, maybe you'll get like the college treatment, you know, where you get get like a queen show put together, 
and you put some drill on the field that's just like, you know, so-so, but the music is so much fun that nobody even cares, that you can perform at the football game that we do or don't know is happening to the crowd that we do or don't know is going to be there. And yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's been a week. It's been a week, and that's where I'll leave it at, too. Yeah. Well, my week's been awesome. I Well, we're planning a, a Q2 or a second half of our year kickoff at work, and we have, a whole, we have a new team, so it's all a lot of fun, and we're trying to do all this to do some really cool team-building stuff for Friday. So I've been, we've been doing that. Um, by the time this airs, it will have been over, but we're doing things like virtual trivia and you know, playing games mm-hmm. and also having cool inspirational talks and kicking off all of our you know, goals for the second half of the year. And I got two fountain pens in the mail today and five new inks. Oh my goodness. And that's so exciting. You're so, right? You're so fancy. So bougie. Hey, He's going to be writing oh, with his fountain whoa. pen. <laughs> Anthony showed me his fountain pen before we got on. So don't let him. And my, mine's engraved. So it's even more bougie. <laughs> mine's engraved. With my oh. <laughs> oh, you can't see the colors. Can you? Can you? Yes. Look at those beautiful kind ink of, colors, yeah. Anthony. That is beautiful. That I'll is take a picture. Beautiful. The obsidian is amazing. So we'll talk inks later, Anthony. Yes. Let's. Do you have many fountain pen inks? I have red, blue, black, green, and purple. I'm sorry. No. You have what brand and what's the color called? They're cross inks because I have a cross from fountain pen. So they sell ink as well. And they just uh, call them those colors? I could not tell you that. Um. <laughs> The gall of them to call it red. The Blue. gall of Anthony to not know what red. they're called. Red. <laughs> the gall of Anthony to not know what they're called. Like I'm using right now um, Amazon Night in this pen, which is by Lamy. It's a blue color. I've got Obsidian from Lamy in another color. And then I have some Bulletproof, which is this really beautiful deep black from Noodler in a different one. No, I'm sorry. I don't have... Noodler? Yeah, I don't have obsidian. I have a gate, which is a uh, a gray color. That's beautiful. So the red is called Blood of My Enemies, and the blue is called Blue Balls. So there you go. Are you serious? No, I'm joking. <laughs> I, I'm just making it. Wow. Oh, man. <laughs> blue balls. Wow. No, I just love the blood of my enemy red. I, you know, I have, I'm tempted now. To, cr- to learn how to make inks simply so that I can sell a blood of my enemy's red. <laughs> <laughs> that was a questionable attempt at humor, Anthony. <laughs> well, Julia, all I have to say to that is our listeners like our questionable attempts at humor, and we have found a niche of people who like that. So... <gasps> So I just went to look at inks, and there's a new one I need. What's it? What's it called? Sorry, I'm digressing here. Anthony, I'm going to send this to you. This is the next one I'm buying. It is the Black Swan Australian Rose. And this is my next ink because it is beautiful. I'm now part of a, a, a loot crate for fountain pens. So they send me at least one fountain pen and new ink every month. <laughs> that's, that's such a thing. a thing tom would be part of <laughs> very excited very excited we'll see how long i can keep stay on this until christine uh looks at my fountain pen budget and decides that uh we could probably spend our money better elsewhere 
Well, it's so, like it's seventy bucks a month, but the pen I got this month is like a hundred and ten dollars. <throat> one of the pens, and the other one's like thirty. And I got five inks. You're part of the Pen Fifteen Club. That was vulgar, Anthony. <laughs> At least you got it. For a minute there, I wasn't sure if you got it. I was like, did they not do that in high school, in middle school, middle school, in uh, elementary school? Write Pen uh, Fifteen on somebody's hand. Yep. Yeah. Be part of the Pen Fifteen Club. You have to write. Really, do you yourself. know what he's referencing? Yeah, but I didn't know that until that show came out on whatever. What's that show? I think it was like probably a guy humor. No, no, it's a show right now on. Oh no, I meant Hulu when we did this or, in high school. Yeah, I don't remember that in high school at all. So the only thing, only reference I have for Pen Fifteen is that show. It came oh. out in the last year or two. Because I'm, yeah, I'm not a fan of unnecessarily coarse language or subject matter. So. Except Adam Sandler films. Yeah. Oh, oh, I love Adam Sandler. <laughs> and talking to Tom and Anthony on a weekly basis, <laughs> or in this case, or in this week's case, a bi-weekly basis. That's right. So tonight we will be talking about the 1978 classic Christmas television movie, Christmas Eve on Sesame Street. This special can. So Christmas Eve on Sesame Street. Quick plot synopsis. Oscar the Grouch raises doubts about whether Santa Claus can deliver presents on Christmas Eve if he can't fit through the narrow chimneys on Sesame Street. So Big Bird resolves to figure it out with the help of his friends Patty, Kermit the Frog, and Grover. Meanwhile, Bert and Ernie want to get each other the perfect Christmas gifts from Mr. Hooper's convenience store and Cookie Monster tries to write a letter to Santa Claus before Christmas Eve is over. Four dozen cookies! Four <laughs> dozen cookies! So before we get into our histories, I want to run through the cast really quick, and because, like previous Muppet specials, it should be really quick to do because the Muppets are real people. So there's no one playing them. So this special was directed and written by John Stone was best known for being an original crew member on Sesame Street and helping develop characters such as Cookie Monster, Oscar the Grouch, and Big Bird. So three of the big core group. Mm-hmm. The cast includes the voices of Carol Spinney, Jim Henson, Frank Oz, Jerry Nelson, and Richard Hunt, who you'll find in just about any Muppet special throughout the 70s, 80s. In terms of Muppets... The special stars Big Bird, Oscar the Grouch, Kermit the Frog, Bert and Ernie, Grover, Cookie Monster, The Count, Snuffleupagus. Oscar was strong in this one. Oh, I have things to say about Oscar, (laughs) including his weird leg walk. Like whenever you saw Alf walk on the 80s show and you could tell it wasn't the puppet anymore. It was just a little person in like a costume and it looked, always looked. (laughs) It was, it was always uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, our human cast, I'm not going to run through their credits because most of these people have been on Sesame Street since the beginning, and this is what they're most known for. But we have Linda Bove playing Linda, Northern Calloway playing David, 
Will Lee playing Mr. Hooper. May he rest in peace. That was an iconic episode when he died. He passed away. Loretta Long playing Susan. Sonia Manzano playing Maria. Bob McGrath playing Bob Johnson. Roscoe Orman playing Gordon Robinson. Alana Reed playing Olivia Robinson. Chet O'Brien playing Mr. McIntosh. Debbie Chen playing the little girl Patty, who Big Bird is friends with. And John Stone provides the voice of Santa Claus on Cookie Monster's telephone. So... We've talked about the Muppets proper before, but this is our first time really going in depth with the Sesame Street IP. Are y'all fans of Sesame Street? Were you fans growing up? Were your kids fans? I want to know who your favorite Sesame Street Muppet is before we get into histories of this special. I'm a huge Sesame Street fan. It was my show of choice when I was growing up. And like my brother had Mr. Rogers. I had a little Mr. Rogers. I was mostly Sesame Street. And half of my kids watched Sesame Street when they were younger, namely Jude. Jude's a big Sesame Street fan. Um, My favorite Sesame Street character is Grover. Always and forever is Grover. Because near, far, near, far. Always makes me laugh. I will say about Grover, we'll get to this throughout, but some of his interviews in this one with the children were amazing. He threw some proper Steve Harvey family feud looks at the camera in response to some of the answers. It totally did. <laughs> it felt really, totally it felt did. really before its time. Yeah, it did. Yes. What about you, Tom? So I was the opposite. Sesame Street was always cool, but I was a big Mr. Rogers guy, and I still really am. Did you I like Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood? I loved it. One of Christine's friends was the writer of it. Of course. Of course. course. Uh, no, uh, Julia, you'll know this. It was Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Fitzerman Blue's son did it. The, the, the rabbi at the Benayamuna, the synagogue. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he wrote it. I will say that I was in tears by the time that movie ended. It was so freaking good. It was absolutely amazing. It showed... Um, a lot of good sides of Mr. Rogers. I love Mr. Rogers to this day. I love Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood as well. It's adorable homage to keep Mr. Rogers' memory alive. Julia doesn't like it, apparently. It's not one of those kids' ones I could handle listening to as a parent because he whines so dang much. You know which one I can't stand listening to as a parent? Paw Patrol. Oh, yeah, I don't like Paw Patrol either. Like nothing about Paw Patrol. Yeah. Okay, at least we agree on that. Uh, but I did did like Sesame Street as a kid. I had two favorites when I was growing up. I adored The Count. I had a thing for vampires, though. I loved vampires from a young age. The whole vampire mythos was cool to me. And I like Big Bird, and I still do. When I, when I watch it with Ellie, I still am drawn to Big Bird. But I, but there aren't any I didn't. There's, I liked everybody. Oscar the Grouch was fun in his own way. I did like Grover. Yeah, I, like, I really liked everybody. Snuffleupagus. It's just classic. How can you not love Snuffleupagus, especially when he's trying to get down that chimney? <laughs> I'm going to say it right now. That was my favorite part of this whole thing. Not, was not Snuffy? Get that, yeah, do you, now that we know how to, he gets down the chimney, do we have any idea how he gets <laughs> out? <laughs> so I fall somewhere between both of y'all. I grew up on Mr. Rogers and Sesame Street. Okay. Um, actually, fun fact, I just saw study recently or last year when mr rogers movie came out 
that a lot of like child experts, I say that in quotes because, you know. Sure. You know what I mean. Say Sesame, Mr. Rogers overall was more beneficial for a child's growth at a certain age because he focused on one serious topic per episode yep. where mm-hmm. Sesame Street was more hyperactive and had like 10 crammed into the episode, mm-hmm. which I found interesting. But I enjoyed both of them. But Sesame Street, I was a huge fan of. Like, I don't like the Muppets. I don't remember a time in my life without Sesame Street. Mm-hmm. I still, uh, when I'm babysitting my cousin's kids, I don't mind when they want to watch Sesame Street, especially mm-hmm. over some of that other stuff you just mentioned. Uh, even though not a fan of Murray or Abby, like, <laughs> just not. They annoy what me. What about Elmo? I grew up with Elmo. So I don't mind Elmo in reasonable doses it's when they decided to make him the star of the show that mm-hmm. i did not like elmo i could take him in reasonable doses like you saw like the amount of screen time like burton or ernie or cookie monster got this episode where they're supporting characters i can take elmo that much but when mm-hmm. he has big bird's role like i never liked when they pushed big bird to the side and made elmo like the star of the show okay. but uh i will say in my opinion there's not a weak link among the Muppet cast of Sesame Street, like the original Muppet cast. So I say Big Bird, Oscar, Cookie Monster, Bert and Ernie, Grover. I'll include Elmo with the asterisk small doses, even though he didn't come till later. Uh, Telly Monster, Snuffleupagus, all of them. I think they're all great in their own ways. Mm-hmm. They are. I also fall in between the two of you with my favorite Muppet. When I was really young, it was the Count. Mm-hmm. And my parents could not find a stuffed count toy for me anywhere, anywhere. So my cousin, who's like 10 years older than me, was on a trip out to California and he found one and brought it home for me. So oh. that was my favorite toy growing up. I'm pretty sure my parents still have it in a closet somewhere, Aww. like at their house. But Grover, I grew to love Grover as I got older, like, you know, older in childhood. But even now, he's still my favorite. And my dad can do the best Grover impression. And I tried to get him to do it so I could play it on the show, but he wouldn't. But he used to do, when I was a kid growing up, the outgoing message on our home answer machine was Grover. His doing Grover. Hello, everybody. Like, you know, and just the whole message was in that, you know, for my amusement, which is awesome. But I love Grover. I love Super Grover. (laughs) I, I love them all. That's awesome. I don't remember seeing this specific special as a kid, honestly. But when I started watching it today, I must have seen it because I remembered a lot of it, mm-hmm. including that really creepy ice, be- ice skating beginning, which we'll talk about when we get into the plot. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> I, but yeah, this special, it was, ne- it was not part of my Christmas canon growing up because like I said, I don't remember it. Mm-hmm. Like I have no memories of watching every year, but it totally should be. It was so sweet. It gave me all the Christmas feels, and I loved it. I had just had a big smile on my face the entire time watching it. Like, mm-hmm. further proof the Muppets can do no wrong. That's right. What are your histories with the special in particular? So I don't remember watching this when it was on TV. Kind of the same thing as you. But once I started watching it, I remembered a lot of parts of it. But I can tell you it's been many, many moons since I've seen this <laughs> because it was one of those like in the back of your memory, you remember it. So I would imagine we probably sat down and watched it as a family at some point. Um, but I can't remember when that would have been. So 
I don't have a history with this. I don't know this. This was completely new to me. And I don't really love it. It's not, not all of it. I mean, I, I don't dislike it at all. But I, don't ha- but I didn't love it at the same time. Some of the characters are different now. And they grew some, I guess, between when this was made and when I was a kid. There are parts of it I love. But as a whole, there are other parts I don't like. Like uh, when we're uh, in the apartment and there are a bunch of random kids. And a woman is like, oh, you're early. I thought I was going to be alone in my apartment with all of these young children. Felt a little creepy. Oh, gosh. This was definitely before, you know, Nancy Rager and Stranger Danger stuff, right? They're still like that on the show. Like, kids have no problem with them. I'm just kidding. They're family. And Um, I think think my, my lack of love for it came right off the bat with that skating scene. It was just... Okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Let's, okay, get let's just jump in, right? So, so this episode, so this episode, this television special, it's an hour long, opened up with a lovely version of Sesame, the Sesame Street theme without the lyrics, like interspersed with cheery holiday cues, which I kind of like that mm-hmm. little remix they did, with mm-hmm. with a bunch of the Muppets, aka people dressed as the Muppets and six feet tall ice skating on this rink inside with a really dingy looking Christmas tree in the center of this rink. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it went on forever. And I had the same fear you did, Julia. So Julia messaged our group chat. Uh, what did I say exactly? Because at first I was concerned that I had picked the wrong one on YouTube, right? Again, because it's been some time I thought I had an idea of what it was, but I'm like, I must have been wrong because my comment was, is this whole thing on ice? <laughs> yeah. And so that was Anthony very quickly. No, don't worry. LOL. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was worried. I was worried too, because it goes on forever. First yeah, of all, creepy seeing just Oscar in a trash can ice skating. I didn't get that at all. <laughs> that was weird. Second of all, the scene only got worse to me when Felice Navidad started playing because I hate that song. I've hated that song forever. <laughs> I have never liked any cover of that song. So when they started playing that, the scene only got worse and I was ready for it to stop. I sang it for Ellie. She's like, Daddy, how do you know this song? What is this song? <laughs> I like that song. But I feel like this scene in particular dates a special more than anything because yes. if this was made today... Special effects have improved to the point you would have seen the actual Muppets skating. Like, you've seen Kermit do that in holiday specials over the years. Like, they mm-hmm. do weird camera tricks or whatever to show it. Right. Um, yeah, and it wouldn't look like it was in a dingy back roads ice skating rink. Especially when they live in New York City and could have gone to Rockefeller Center and skated there. Right. Well, it's a PBS budget. It's PBS, dude. PBS. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but they're making a Sesame Street movie, which is supposed to come out next year, but it's probably been delayed. Did you whoa, see whoa, whoa. It's an HBO budget now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, you can't compare Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood to Game of Thrones in production value, man. <laughs> We're on a different plane here. That's what Game of Thrones is really missing was hard-faced hand puppets. <laughs> did, you see, did you see they were making a movie with starring Anne Hathaway as a reporter? No. With all this, yeah, I guess there's an evil mayor who wants to get rid of Sesame Street, and somehow all the Muppets get lost outside of Sesame Street, and Anne Hathaway has to help them find the way back. Oh, so that sounds cute. I'll watch that. Yeah, I will totally watch that. 
provided uh, they keep Elmo, Murray, and Abby to reasonable amounts of time. You know why they set up Elmo, right? You know why Elmo is the way he is. He's supposed to be a kid. I know. Two and a half year old to relate. And I will say, I was in the same boat as you on Elmo until I saw Ellie, the way Ellie as like a two year old engaged with Elmo. I loved Elmo as a kid when I was like that age, a little older than Ellie. Really? I really did. He, he did work. And I was still young during the Tickle Me Elmo phase and everything like that. Like, so that was more my sister than me, but it worked. That Tickle Me Elmo thing, no I joke, mean, straight up makes me uncomfortable. Thanks to Tickle Me Elmo, we got Jingle all the way. So can we really hate on him? Though? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so... The scene ends with them all leaving the ice rink, getting ready to go home. And the first genuine laugh I get out of this special is Oscar the Grouch's complete pratfall, where he rolls down the stairs, goes through walls, goes crashing out a window, goes crashing through a door because he trips. And that made me laugh because <laughs> that made me, I don't know why, that made me laugh. It's because I knew it wasn't the Muppet, it was actually a stunt guy in there. You could tell by his feet sticking out and oh right. man took um, one for the team there he, he took one for the team i was surprised he wasn't more angry when they asked me if he was okay that felt out of character for me but yeah that seemed out of character he liked it i don't i don't say him as a daredevil he said let's go back and do it again however the original line when they shot it was when big bird asked him if he was okay he said sure i've been thrown out of better places than that but they thought the joke was too, too adult, so they redubbed it. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, I didn't know that. Nice little tidbit. But this is when our the plot actually kicks into gear, right? Big Bird says they have to get home because Santa's going to visit, and Oscar, to his credit, and we'll put a warning at the beginning of this special. To Oscar's credit, uh, he does. Whoa, whoa, whoa! We cannot have a Sesame Street episode with a family warning, y'all. Okay, fair. Okay. I know that we need one because he just ultimately questions how does Santa get down, like the logistics. Right, and that's what I was fitting. gonna say. To his credit, he doesn't reveal anything else about Santa. He just questions the logistics about how Santa gets down chimneys. Mm-hmm. And Big Bird is so mind boggled by this question that uh, he sets out to find the truth. Well, he does, but Oscar is a total jerk face. No, yeah. I mean, he is. But he, he could have been a in, lot jerkier here for obvious reasons, and I give him credit for that. In this episode, he ends up calling Santa fat, and I don't know how many times he talks about how stupid Big Bird is. Oh my God, my favorite is when they're on the subway and it's a total Anthony moment. He says, you're the stupidest. And then you just hear all these trains going by as he's yelling at him, the equivalent of getting bleeped out. And then after like a good 30 seconds, bird I've ever met. I'm with Oscar on this one. I've never liked Big Bird. Ever. Really? Well, I had had a Big Bird Bird birthday cake when I was two. So maybe I did like Big Bird, but I cannot stand Big Bird now. I can't. I don't, Is it because it's not Penny him, playing him anymore? Because but I just don't want him talking. I just don't. I don't know. I just don't. I don't know. Did Big guys, Bird. Did you guys like that movie though? The Big Screen Sesame Street movie. Follow that bird. I liked that growing yeah, up. Yeah, I did. I think I did like that one. And that centers around Big Bird. It does. So where's the disconnect? I don't know. 
again, a lot of these characters evolved over the years, specifically in, with the introduction of Elmo. So maybe they made mm-hmm. Big Bird, you know, a little more. Well, I mean, I was I was three then. So yeah, okay, but you again. still appreciate so some of the other just, Muppets. But I feel like yeah. in terms of the Sesame Street Muppets, Big Bird's kind of like Elmo and how young he is. Acts compared right, to the other is. ones. That's right. This is where we get our first musical number in the special, True Blue Miracle. And it's when they're all traveling back to Sesame Street on the subway. And this is where we get a hint as to where Sesame Street is actually located. Because the gang gets off on the 86th Street subway stop, which does exist on the 4, 5, and 6 trains. So placing Sesame Street on the Upper East Side of New York City near Lexington Avenue. So total disconnect, because I always thought Sesame Street was in a... uh, not Upper East Side neighborhood. I'll say it that way. Right. But, yeah, so we got a hint as to that. Um, what did y'all think of this song? I liked this one. I liked it. It was great. I, I like it when they sing. And when they get back to Sesame Street itself, and you see this in snow, and people walking up and down the street with gifts in their hands, and the Christmas lights, it made me feel Christmassy. It put me in the yes. mood, Christmas yeah. mood. I did enjoy this one. It was sweet. So, back on Sesame Street, Big Bird approaches his good friend, Kermit the Frog, and asks him if he knows how Santa gets down chimneys. I feel like Kermit's a bit more analytical and scientific on Sesame Street than he is among the Muppets. Like, I feel like if a Muppet, like, as in Muppets proper, not Sesame Street, was questioning this, he'd be a little more compassionate, like, oh, what's the magic of the season or whatever. And this, he's Mm -hmm. like more adult i guess compared to them and is yep. a little more rational mm-hmm. what does he say he'll get together some data and he, he phrased it like focus he'll group consult or, the experts yeah he's consult gonna consult the experts. the experts which is a bunch of kids <laughs> even though the kids are the one who are asking him the question no big well, bird, big bird is well but then he's got the kid the little girl with her and she's like but i'm a kid yeah, but she was not the one initiating the question. Big Bird, Big Bird initiated it, and then she was like, huh, yeah, how about that? So th- that leads to, throughout the first half of special, Pepper Through, our interviews, specifically with Grover, Grover some with Kermit, where he's talking to kids, how does Santa get down the chimney? And these to me, just because kids say the darndest things, are some of the funniest moments of the special. And now, so watching this as an adult, those moments are put in there for the adult parents having to watch these with their kids because oh, absolutely. I don't, I don't even remember these when I was a kid. I mean, they've always been a part of Sesame Street, right? But when I was a kid, I don't remember these parts at all. I <laughs> they're said my ear- favorite parts of of the show now because they're. I hilarious. said it earlier, but like Grover's reactions to the camera. Tom, you said it was kind of ahead of its time. It was. It was I, felt very Jim. Yeah, yeah. I compared it to Steve Harvey on Family Feud. Well, that's exactly what it was like. Like, he was looking, like, at the camera, at the adults watching, like, can you believe what this kid just said? Mm-hmm. And it was hilarious. And it's amazing mm-hmm. how much a puppet can convey so much emotion on his face, which is really etched, you know? Yes. yes. But I, what I, I also go. liked about these parts, sorry. No. What I also liked about these parts are when the kids, like are petting Grover, you know, when they're sitting there and they're talking to him and they're just like totally absentmindedly petting them or when Grover like snuggles up against them and he puts his head on their chest and they just keep talking and it's like the sweetest thing ever. Grover, so 
I posed on social media as who's your favorite Sesame Street Muppet and Grover came out the overwhelming winner among people. Mm-hmm. And there's something about him between his superhero shtick and his just regular, funny, goofy. He's kind of like, I kind of relate him to, he's like the gonzo of the Sesame Street verse, sure. I guess. Yeah, I can see but that. He's so funny. That's fair. And I'm going to say now while we're on the these kids segments, I'm just going to read one of these quotes from these kids. I loved with a little role-playing bit Grover does a kid where he's pretending to be Santa with a little black boy. And Grover's like, this is, this is Santa Claus. I don't know how to get out. And Billy's like, go through the back door. And Grover's like, okay. And he walks away and he comes back. Billy, the back door is locked. Take the window. Okay. <laughs> okay. Grover walks away again, comes back. Billy, I hate to bother you, but the window is shut. And then Billy's like, open it. And <laughs> Grover walks in. Grover's like, open it. Gotcha. And he walks away, comes back. Billy, the window's locked. And then he looks at the camera. I'm in big trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so cute. It is so cute. It's just so cute. So while Big Bird's questioning how Santa gets the job done... Uh, we have this subplot with Bert and Ernie, which is basically the Sesame Street version of the Gift of the Magi. And it's a perfect introduction to it for little kids, I think. They each want to get the other one a special gift. Bert wants to get Ernie a soap okay. dish on which to keep his rubber ducky. Yeah. And Ernie wants to get Bert a cigar box <laughs> for Bert to keep his paperclip collection. When I was younger, and I remember, I had this green VHS tape, and it was like Sesame Street's top 10 music videos. I used to watch this thing on repeat. It had to have drove my parents crazy. But my favorite bit was Ernie's rubber duck, duck, rubber duck duck rubber duck where everyone's popping up in the bathtub with him and like Bert's listening at the door because he's waiting to go in and take a bath himself and like he just hears all this commotion inside that still if I see that video now cracks me up so I always loved Bert and Ernie rubber ducky you're the one one. you make bath time so much fun rubber ducky (laughs) muffly fond of you uh, so I do want to get your takes because everyone views it differently. Are they roommates? Are they brothers? Are they boyfriends? They're total partners, man. Here's that's the best I think part. Too. I don't care. Yeah, and it They're doesn't. Puppets. And that's also yeah, it doesn't matter. They're puppets either. So, so I am going to just read a little bit about Bert and Ernie because they. Contrary to some criticism we've received as a show, we do do our research. Um, so I'm just going to <laughs> I'm just going to read a little bit about Bert and Ernie. Bert and Ernie live together in an apartment located in the basement of 123 Sesame Street. Despite sleeping in separate beds, they share the same bedroom, which has led to some speculation that they're a representation of gay lovers, which has always been, since I reached a certain age, my interpretation of it. Mm-hmm. It's repeatedly been denied by the Sesame Street workshop. And some of Bert's interactions with female characters do appear to show that he's attracted to women. In July 2013, the New York Magazine chose an image of Bert and Ernie titled Moment of Joy as the cover of their publication, which covers the Supreme Court decisions on gay marriage. And Sesame Street Workshop was so outraged that they considered possibility of litigation. 
In September 2018, Mark Saltzman, who we've had on the show before. We had him here. Yes, we have. During our Mrs. Santa Claus episode, he is one of the scripts and songwriters for Sesame Street. He alleged in an interview with Queerty that Bert and Ernie were analogs for his own intimate relationship with film editor Arnold Glassman. Hmm. Sesame Street Workshop responded by claiming that they have no sexual orientation because they're both puppets. Frank Oz says... They're not a gay couple, but why the question? Does it really matter? Why do we need to define them? I never thought of them as sexual beings. And and Sesame Street goes on to clarify, Bert and Ari aren't gay. They're best friends. The Gay Star News reported that fans reacted negatively to this assertion. Frank Oz later tweeted in September 2018. A last thought. If Jim and I created Bert and Ernie as gay characters, it would be an authentic coming from two straight men. However, I've now learned that many view them as representative of a loving gay relationship, loving gay relationship, and that's wonderful. That thanks for helping me understand. So ultimately, it's however you want to interpret them. I've but, always seen them as a couple, like Julia. You said they're total lovers, right? Yeah. But again, you know what? However you see them, that's what they are ultimately. Or they're puppets. <laughs> I mean. Sesame Street says they're best friends, which their Twitter profiles confirm because they got mad at each other on Best Friend Day because one of them did all the Muppets do. It's amazing. I don't understand. I don't understand why it's an issue. It's not the none of this is an issue for any of the other characters, right? Like none of them have any romantic interests. So why do we just because they live together? Do we assume there has to be some sort of romantic? Well, they share a bedroom. They're grown men sharing a bedroom. Are they grown men, though? Ernie takes I mean, baths with a duck. <laughs> Who doesn't? Do you, do you remember in the early days of the internet, that website, BertIsEvil.com? Oh, I sure do. I loved that website. Do you remember Is that, that one still time? around? No. Kind of. That's where they photoshopped Bert into images of really like awful human events. <laughs> like there was like with Osama, bin <laughs> with Osama bin Laden, Saddam Hussein. There's... <laughs> Just awful stuff. They had an image of him at the JFK assassination? Yeah. My gosh. Uh, It is all saved on Wayback Machine, so you can go check it out. Go to Wayback Machine and check out BertIsEvil.tv. I'm going to have to do that. Bert was always my sister's favorite growing up. Bert, of all people, but... Bert was her favorite? (laughs) to drive me nuts. I didn't know Bert was anybody's favorite. I didn't know Bert alone was anybody's favorite either. Bert and Ernie as a pair are a lot of people's favorite, including Mike Westfall of Advent Calendar House Podcast. Yeah. One last thing about Bert and Ernie. Well, for now. It's Wonderful Life included the taxi driver named Ernie and the police officer named Bert. Uh-huh. That's right. Yeah, that's funny. Which obviously came before Sesame Street, but still pretty cool. Is that where they got mm-hmm. it from? I mean, there can't be I think so. can it? So while Bert and Ernie are figuring out how to pay for their gifts for each other, we get another song called Keep Christmas with You All Through the Year. I like this one. This one is almost a little too schmaltzy for me, though. Yeah, but I liked it. It's supposed to be schmaltzy. It's, it's it took me back to childhood because it's Bob singing. Always took, yeah. took me right back to childhood. And the sign language and... I mean, it's mm-hmm. Sesame Street doing what Sesame Street does best, right? The sign language Inclusion was and... amazing. I also love that Mr. Hooper, they identified as Jewish. That was a nice representation. Happy Bob Hanukkah. Says, Happy Hanukkah to him. And Mr. Hooper replies, Merry Christmas. Mm-hmm. Do you um, remember when it was that easy? 
Right? Yeah, there exactly. There was no war on Christmas. Nobody had any bees in their bonnets. Right. It was nice. Where we could just respect nice. one another. It was a simple time. Weird times. It was a simple time. So Bert and Ernie end up going separately to Mr. Hooper. In total gift of the Magi fashion, Ernie trades his rubber ducky for a cigar box. <laughs> he has a really tearful goodbye with rubber ducky and walks out of the store. It's rough. And, and then Bert comes in and has a comical, yet also teary goodbye with his paperclip collection. Yeah. <laughs> My oh, this is from his 1986 Acme. <laughs> yeah, and then the he, 1956 and then, Acme. And this one's from my, uh, this, this one I got, the paperfect paperclip manufacturer convention which made me laugh <laughs> but my favorite was when he says to mr hooper hey mr hooper do you mind if i come by sometime to see to see and then he just bows his head and walks out of the show. oh hard <laughs> it really is it was um, i think it's very i mean as three adults watching this it's 100% obvious Mr. Cooper is not going to keep the, their yeah. stuff. I mean, he had an opportunity to pocket it all, right? He would have come out the winner on that one. He would have. He had a rubber ducky and some... I mean, how much do you think Bernie's rubber ducky would go on eBay? <laughs> the, the real one? The real one, probably a lot of moolah. <laughs> but he'd make some uh, bank. Okay, so while all of this going on, there is another side plot with Cookie Monster. I love me some Cookie Monster. I love Cookie Monster. I love Cookie Monster. <laughs> he is a puppet representation of the id. And he's perfect. <laughs> and he <Yeah>. is <laughs> he is trying to write a letter to Santa yeah. Claus. Where first he asks for macaroons. Then he asks for Fig Newtons. Then oatmeal cookies. And the number just goes up and up and up. And then they switch to banana cookies and then pruned cookies and then chocolate covered marshmallow with jelly inside cookies. And as he's writing this letter, thinking out loud to himself, he eats his pet's pencil and then he ends up eating his typewriter. <laughs> his typewriter. Yes. Every bit. Which is amazing. <laughs> he's, he is amazing. And he I. He is. If you remember when they tried to change him for a while back in the early 2000s to Veggie Monster. Veggie, yep, I do. What? I don't remember. Health conscious. It lasted maybe what, like a month, Tom, before they realized the backlash. Horrible. Yep. It it didn't go well. Well, for good reason. Like, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Cookie Monster is one of those Muppets I just want to hug. He just looks so, because he's bigger too, obviously, because he eats all these cookies. I just want to hug him. He looks so fluffy. Have you have y'all ever been to Sesame Place, the theme park? No. Where is it at? It's, a, it's in Pennsylvania, so it's East Coast. But I used to go every year as a kid. And now I guess they added a lot of older rides for older kids too. I guess who, older kids and adults too who take the young kids. So I'd yeah. like to go back at some point. But I have oh, pictures man. of me. It's like Disney World, except just Sesame Street, a lot smaller. It's a Sesame Street, but you get them all in character walking around. And so I definitely have pictures with me and Cookie Monster and me and all of them. That's rad. That's really rad. Mm -hmm. So we go back to Big Bird, who's consulting with Kermit about the answers to his questions. What did you figure out about Santa? And Kermit basically says, inconclusive. Right? I forget the exact words he uses. So Big Bird comes up with his own plan, which I'll let Tom explain this part, since he already called out this was his favorite part of the whole special. What's Big Bird's plan here, Tom? Big Bird is going to do an experiment. 
and he goes for the biggest Sesame Street figure he possibly can, Snuffleupagus. And so Big Bird gets Snuffy somehow on a roof, given credit for having a giant elephant figure on top of a roof. That's some strong structural... Stability. Integrity. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. Some strong structural integrity of that building. And he gets Snuffy to put his legs in. And I love it as he's getting in. He's like, now put your third leg in. And he's like, I don't think Santa has more than two legs. He's like, well, imagine he's going down with a reindeer. (laughs) Because if you're trying to figure out how an oversized man would fit in a chimney, you're of course going to imagine him going down with a reindeer. And Snuffy gets in there and... Again, I, I said this earlier, his response is, well, you figured out how we get Santa in the chimney, but have you figured out how to get him out of the chimney? <laughs> <laughs> so, so while this is going on, we cut back to Oscar, who has a musical number called I Hate Christmas. I found this musical number a lot of fun. It's because it's total Oscar. It's an upbeat musical number, but he talks about how much he hates Christmas. And if you want the truth, I ain't so crazy about Thanksgiving and Labor Day either. Interesting note, though, this song was cut when Nickelodeon aired the special in 1994 during their Christmas special marathon, which is weird because it's not like it was overly, like, yeah, there was nothing wrong with it. But Nickelodeon. You probably don't want kids running around singing, I hate Christmas. I mean, that's, you know. It's also not on the soundtrack. When you look at iTunes on the soundtrack, it's not there. Interesting. But that was actually, and Tom will say, typical Anthony. Well, it's my favorite song in the whole thing. Yes, that's the most oh, simple. that is typical Anthony. <laughs> it was a cute song, Anthony. <laughs> so then we go back to Bert and Ernie exchanging gifts on Christmas Eve. First of all, I love their pajamas. They're, they look actually very comfortable. They're like silky pajamas. <laughs> but, but yeah. uh Bert is so anal about the way he opens his Christmas gift, which I love because this was my, is my cousin's wife, Yasmin, to a T. Like, really? tries to open it without ripping paper or, like, ripping it because she wants to save the paper. It drives me nuts. Love you, Yasmin, that you're listening. But anyway, so I love that that's a Bert tree because that's something Bert would totally do. Yeah, it totally is. And of course, Bert gets his cigar box and he's all sad and Ernie gets his soap dish and he's all sad. And that's how Mr. Hooper shows up with Christmas gifts for the two of them. And he gives them the rubber ducky and the paperclip collection back. And they feel bad because they tell him, we didn't get anything for you, Mr. Hooper. And Mr. Hooper says, you're wrong, boys. I got the best Christmas present ever. I got to see everyone get exactly what they wanted for Christmas. It was sweet. Linus moment number one for me. Linus moment, that's right. So maybe it was different by the time I started watching the show, but I always thought Bert collected bottle caps, not paper clips. Also, I'm assuming, going back to Snuffleupagus real quick, this is when he was outed as a real guy and not a figment of Big Bird's imagination. He was a a figment of Big Bird's imagination for some amount of time? He was initially Big Bird's imaginary friend, and then they got concerned that... There was this figure kids were talking to who adults wouldn't see and would disappear whenever adults are around, so they made him real. Oh, right. But. Or did collect bottle caps. I don't want us to be seen as not doing our research. So, Bert and Ernie then have a rendition of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, which is very cute. Cute. And we go back to Cookie Monster. (laughs) And Cookie Monster. The phone. (laughs) Has eaten all of his writing utensils. 
So he says, Christmas Eve, too late for letter to Santa Claus anyway. So I call him. So he picks up the phone. <laughs> Thinks he's talking to the operator. It's actually Santa Claus. Hello, operator. Operator. <laughs> it's Santa Claus. Doesn't get through. And then he does the- get through to Santa. But, but he doesn't say what he wants, does he? No. He no. Because by then the bone is in his stomach. <laughs> and Santa is speaking to him from inside of his you hear stomach. It from inside his stomach. Because he has eaten the phone. <laughs> so, so, so probably my biggest random laugh in this episode comes when <laughs> comes when Gordon comes home. I think it's right immediately after the phone call to Cookie Monster, and Cookie Monster says he wants to leave Santa Claus something. What do I leave him? And Gordon says, well, Cookie, most people leave him cookies. And then there's that dramatic dun-dun-dun type music as Cookie looks at his camera. His face just looks so... He looks so... He looks so crestfallen at this point. He does. (laughs) So crestfallen. So at this point, it's snowing. It's nighttime. It's cold. Big Bird goes to the roof to wait for Santa in the snow because that's the only way he's going to get answers if he sees Santa go down and up the chimney, come back up the chimney with his own eyes. And I love that Big Bird going missing because he didn't tell anyone he went to the roof causes the entire community to rally together to find him. And uh, Maria, I think it was Maria, goes to chastise Oscar. And Oscar's at first indignant, like, you know, he's always out in the cold anyway as a nest. And she's like, you know, that's not the same. That's his home, blah, blah, blah. She actually gets through to Oscar, feels guilty, who joins in the search. Mm-hmm. And again, Christmas Eve on Sesame Street at night looks super Christmassy, especially it with it was a- the sh- shot to the skyline in the snow. It really yep. did. So they find Big Bird, who has fallen asleep and did not get to witness Santa going up and down the chimney. But Gordon and Susan show Big Bird the true meaning of Christmas because there are all the gifts under the tree anyway. Just because Big Bird didn't see Santa come down doesn't mean he didn't come. Plus, it's not about the gifts. It's the fact that they're all back together. So Linus moment number two. And Big Bird's happy. Oscar sort of apologizes, but then undercuts his apology by asking him how he thinks the Easter Bunny hides all the eggs every Easter. And on Big Bird's, like, (laughs) befuddled face. Yeah. (laughs) Shocked, like, existential moment type face. Uh, The special ends with a Keep Christmas With You reprise. And I love that they have the lyrics on the screen so families and kids could sing along. And then we get a little post credit scene where Gordon and Susan have has found that Cookie Monster has eaten all of the needles off their Christmas tree. Yep. It's no self-control at all. He talks about Douglas first giving heartburn. And then he burps throughout the remaining of remainder of the credits, which is I don't like burp humor, but this one really made me laugh. It was funny. Do you know what I learned about Douglas first as a side note? The the wood from Douglas fir is really good, apparently, for making longbows. Oh, it's interesting. Yep. So you can, uh, when you're done with your Christmas tree, you can make a weapon to take down your enemies. There you go. So, Tom, I have to ask you, because you said you didn't love this special. So we just ran through the whole plot. You didn't really raise objection to anything. What did you not love about this special? Because I think me and Julie are in agreement. We both love this special. It was just a little bored, y'all. Really? Yeah. 
That's sad. That makes me so sad. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> like, I, I don't. I'm not, even, I'm not even angry with you. This is just our first Muppets. No, no, Emmett Otter. But this is our first like Muppets proper special. That I don't have anything bad to say. It's not bad. I don't. I just. I didn't love it. I don't hate it, but I don't love it. It makes me so sad. You've ruined my whole night. <laughs> Anthony, I, I, I feel exactly like how Bernie and Ernie, Bernie, uh, Bernie, like Bernie, Bernie <laughs> like Ernie. You feel exactly how Bernie feels? <laughs> I feel exactly how Ernie and Bert felt when they walked out of Mr. Hooper's Aww. without their prized possessions. I you am know, so sad. Anthony, I just want to say I really appreciate all that you do for this podcast. You should. And there it is, <laughs> listeners. Why nobody is nice to Anthony. <laughs> I'm nice to Anthony. Julia is nice to Anthony. Why nobody? Julia nice sent a lovely message to me at the beginning of this week about, oh, thanks for all the work you put in, or whatever she said in Chancy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, thank you, Julia. It's nice to be recognized sometimes. Tom, I would like to thank you for all the work you put into our website and our Patreon. Do I? Yes. You built it. I may update it week to week. Constantly change the rankings, create new Facebook posts, do all the social media. But yeah, but you built it. You built hey, it. All. I do the social media when I edit. Thanks, bro. I don't even do that. <laughs> Wait a minute. What's going on here? Somehow disco rolls over April all the time for getting me to do what she wants, and yet Julia, I find myself doing all the stuff for Julia. What's going on here? Black <laughs> like magic woman. <laughs> <laughs> So, do you do y'all have favorite quotes, favorite moments? It was kind of appalling that Kermit called Santa fat. Also, that multiple characters called talked Big about Bird how, did too. Yeah, big and fat Santa was with just like, you know, whatever, no big deal. A little body shaming from the Sesame Street crew. <laughs> you know, I guess it's what they do, right? I did like Kermit's quote when he's giving giving Bert, Big Bird all the feedback when kids told him, and he says. One kid thinks that Santa Claus gets into the house at Thanksgiving and hides in the laundry hamper until Christmas Eve. <laughs> does, it, does it sneaks in with the family at Thanksgiving or something? Oh, that one made me laugh. Oh, and then, and then just, some of, just some of Grover's interviews with kids. How does Santa get down into the house? Keys? Keys? Santa keys? And just <laughs> it's <laughs> and then the other one, how does Santa get down the chimney? Easy. With his reindeer. That's a lot of people going down the chimney. <laughs> <laughs> he tapes their antlers together. <laughs> Again, it's like a look at the camera that Grover <laughs> You know, it's what I love about kids. Once they're once they're committed, they're not backing down, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A lot of my ones, well, you know. You tape their ears together. Oh, okay. So I like when Big Bird's looking over the roof and sees all the people down below looking for him, but he doesn't know they're looking for him. And he says to himself, look at all those people down there running around. Guess somebody must be lost. I don't know. I really like Oscar in the special. I like Oscar in general. I appreciate him more the older I get. <laughs> Big surprise. Mm-hmm. Sure. I think most old people feel that way. Did you, do you remember the SNL bit from last year with David Harbour? No. Making fun of the Joker trailer with Joaquin Phoenix? Except David Harbour was playing a dark version of Oscar the Grouch. And it was like that really dark, twisted trailer. And David Harbour was Oscar. And he was like, he was walking with a gun. Sunny days. 
Oh, <laughs> look it up on it was SNL at its best. That's it creepy. So freaking yeah. But he like he looked like a hobo. It was just so it was just so funny. And the movie was called Grouch. Grouch. <laughs> <laughs> so we already said this had a Linus moment, right? Two Linus moments. Did. Definitely. Did. We always said it looked and felt Christmassy at the Christmas show, right? It did. Yes. We went through at the beginning who our favorite Sesame Street Muppet was, but who was it in the special? In this special. Grover. Grover. It was Grover. And Cookie Monster, very close second for me. Yeah, same here. Oh, that was so, he was really cute, y'all. I love his googly eyes. I Hello, love his googly eyes. <laughs> I'm so... So do we want to rank this thing? Do you have any final thoughts? Do you want to rank it? I don't. Um, you're really going to depress me tonight, and I know you are. Where are we putting this, by the way, though? Are we putting it on our movie list or our TV specials list? Where are we putting it on? Probably the Christmas television specials, I think. Like the one with Rudolph and Charlie Brown and all that? I think so. I think these can stand alone. Yeah, it was only an hour, so it doesn't count as a full movie like some of the Christmas stuff they've done right. later on. Okay, so what would y'all rank it? Seven. Are you serious? Yeah. We're not that far off. Six and three quarters. I'm going 9.25. I really liked it. So that puts that number five on our list. Between Santa Claus is going to town and the year without a Santa Claus. That's pretty high on the list. Yeah, that's pretty good. I guess that works. So I'll be curious. It seems like we had a lot of love for this one on social medias, which is awesome. And again, I feel like the Muppets, all the IPs of the Muppets bring that out, right? Which Mm. is one of the things I love about the Muppets. All positivity. Yes. It is all positivity. So we did have a question of the week last week from our good friend on Reddit. We'll watch Buddy. And he wrote, this is a lot similar to my previous question. But if you had an infinite budget to create a Christmas song, what would the song be about? Also, who would you get to sing it? It can be multiple people. And what would the music video be like? For example, if I could... I would want a song about someone getting drunk on Christmas, but make it sound jolly. Because let's be honest, who listens to the lyrics of songs? I would want the music video to be the same style as Destiny's Child's Rudolph the red Reindeer or The Greatest Gift from Sansbury's. In the video, there'd be this beautiful Dickens Christmas town that would be contrasted by this guy running through the streets and breaking anything in his way. Listener Almost Santa commented, a sound called Christmas buzz. It would be, it would border around the idea of being of the feeling of being with family along with the frustration of being with family and then the drinking of being with family. Just cute. Oh, yeah. So what about y'all? What would your Christmas song be? I would create a song that was a love song in a country western style between Santa and Mrs. Claus. Sung by the Dixie Chicks. I guess the Chicks now. And it would be modern Marvel. Top of the charts. I don't know about the music video. I have no idea. I don't watch who watches music videos anymore. I assume your music video would have Santa and Mrs. Claus. Yeah, I just see them singing to each other. Sure. Make it out. I just see them I just see them singing that song like uh who who freaking sings that song? I'll put your picture away. Oh, what song (laughs) is that? Jim Rock and Cheryl Crow. And Cheryl Crow. That's who that was. Yeah, there you go. What about you, Tom? I'm not doing this. I don't. I, I'm not asking for a new Christmas song. I don't want a new Christmas song. Stop with the new Christmas songs. 
I 100% disagree. There are creatives well, out there. Come out with them. What, what? When's the last good new Christmas song you've heard? Uh, Gwen Stefani and Blake Shelton's album. What's no, your I said good. I said that good. That you recommended to me, Ingrid Mickelson. Yeah, but I still. It's just not Her the same. Her album is amazing. It's good. It is just, Man, somebody is freaking uh, old man. Somebody here. Yeah, get off my lawn. I don't want anything new. (laughs) Get off my my lawn. What is this contraption? With your newfangled, weird Christmas music. No, I just don't don't typically like new Christmas songs. I'm just not a fan. Well, I am. I wouldn't go for like a big pop hit like Julia, though. Like a big hit like Julia, though. I'd go total B-movie. Uh, something akin to science fiction double feature in the Rocky Horror Picture Show, where they basically sing about all the B-list mo- Halloween movies, science fiction movies, except I'd have them sing about, you know, just basically rattle off the actors and movies Christmassy. So sing about Clark Griswold and Scott Calvin and Rudolph and all these people. So that would be the song, something akin to that, except less spooky, more Christmassy, like more bells or something. Uh, I love that song, by the way, science fiction double feature. So yeah, something like that. Who would sing it? I don't know. Get the same voice who sung that, the original, during Rock and Horror Picture. Music video, you know, show clips in those movies on TV. I mean, like an old black and white TV or something. There you go. Ah. We could call it Tis the Podcast Double Feature. Tis the Podcast. <laughs> double Feature. <laughs> so, speaking of Christmas music... Our first new Christmas album of the season comes out September 25th. What is it? Is that? Uh, Carrie Underwood's Christmas when, album, when My Gift, say? Long Time Coming, September 25th. So I guess in quarantine, the music releases again pushed up a little earlier this year, which is awesome. We so. need a little Christmas. Right, right this very minute. I, I don't have anything to say right now. Of course not. Well, you know who does have a lot to say? Our listeners. Because our Facebook group is always off the charts. Today, got too many recommendations to name, but I had posed a question today on the, in the Facebook group. What are some of your Halloween canon movies? Since that's the first big holiday during the Burr months, and tons of recommendations in there from people. So go check them out. Lots of overlap with like Halloween, Hocus Pocus, Halloween Town. There's a Halloween. perk to so glasses half full Pollyanna Julia moment there's a perk to the Oklahoma Band Association canceling state marching band competition this year is or was originally scheduled to take place on Halloween which means Marty and I would had to choose like made the Sophie's choice of trick-or-treat with our two younger boys who still do it or watch our two older kids it at the state marching competition. Oh, that's now we don't sad. have to. It's not horrible. It's terrible planning. Don't ever put any competition on Halloween ever. Mm-hmm. Not ever. That's dumb. So dumb. Dumb, oh, dumb, so dumb. Now we don't have to make that choice. And I don't know what Halloween's going to look like this year. But like, I'm going to be giving candy out. So I'm going to be buying candy to give out and then eating it all myself when it gets inevitably gets canceled. We can't cancel Halloween. I'd like to see them try. Halloween's made for made for this. It's mask central. That's right. <laughs> That's absolutely right. And you already have the paranoia that evil people have spiked your candy with like, needles and stuff. Exactly. Oh, so you don't eat the ones. Cancel. You don't eat the ones that are open, right? And you just lice all that bad boy before you bust into it. We do have a question for next week. 
What's that? I love the week. The week lead in is fantastic. Even though then you both message me the afternoon of, hey guys, what's the question? But it was the Um, afternoon of, it It wasn't as we were logging in. I didn't. So I did. So so this this is coming now. Some of us take this seriously. Some of us aren't um, under research. Okay, so this question for next week, which you have a week to think of, was also posed to us by, well, watch it, buddy. And it's another similar question. Christmas ads are a big thing in the UK. And John Lewis, a shop here in the UK, has asked you to create theirs this year. What do you do? I personally like the stop motion ones because they clearly had a lot of time and effort put into them. So having one of those would be a must for me. I'd get someone else to think of everything else for me, such as the music and the actual message by that. Mm-hmm. So Christmas commercial, what would you do? Fun side note, Disco 54, my wife works for John Lewis. So usually <sighs> she knows what the theme or the style of the character this year's ad is going to be by now. Because something has been said on the company internet, but this year, for obvious reasons, nothing. Cool. So, Peeling back the layers of Disco 54. Who also has a podcast. We never mentioned that on this show. He has a music DJ type podcast. Oh. I, for, I forget what it's called, but Disco Steven, let us know on social media so we can plug it properly next week. Also, speaking of podcasts, uh, Art Kilmer, longtime Art. listener, has joined the Christmas podcast family with Yay. a cozy Christmas. Welcome, Art. We love Art. Art's active. If you're active in our community, you already know art. We seriously want to know from our listeners, what did you think of this Christmas Eve on Sesame Street special? What would your original Christmas song be? And what would your original Christmas ad be for John Lewis? Where can they let us know all of that, Julia? They can let us know on any of their favorite social media sites because we are on all of them. Uh, If you just go to tisthepodcast.com backslash Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Facebook groups, um, or Reddit, you can drop Reddit in there as well. Um, I would say Facebook groups and Reddit is probably our most active location. So if you really want to meet our listeners and get the full experience of how awesome they are, then check out Reddit or Facebook groups because there's always stuff on there. Um, and it's also a great way to connect to other podcasters in the Christmas Podcast Network and those not in the Christmas Podcast Network that we drop names periodically like Art, like Todd Killian with Christmas Clatter podcast, like Totally Rad Christmas that we've talked about with Jerry Davila, um, Dwayne with Tinsel Tunes. I mean, we really can go on. Tim Bab Bab with Oh my gosh, he was killing it with the meme games lately on Facebook. (laughs) Um, Mike Westfall of Advent Calendar House, tons of them. So good company in our groups. Come chat with us. Where else can they find us, Tom? You know, if you really want to go out and find us somewhere new and you want to hear content that you probably haven't heard before and that you're not going to hear on our main podcast feed, check out tisthepodcast.com slash Patreon for as little as $1 a month. You get access to all the things and it's pretty rad. We've got bonus episodes. Most recently, uh, we did an episode on uh, Hamilton with some singing, lots of discussion around the awesome musical Hamilton, which was released on Disney+. Plus. We've got episodes with uh, other Christmas podcast hosts talking about things like Batman and comics mm. in general and superheroes. We've got Halloween episodes. 
like Hocus Pocus. We've got great stuff on there. It's a lot of fun. Plus, Anthony sent me a sticker design idea that I think will be done by Thursday and going to a printer. I have to find a printer that will mail them to us. And uh, there's a new card in the works. So, In terms of content on Patreon, we will have Halloween and Thanksgiving and Christmas episodes coming up this year. And we will also be starting a little mini-sode series in October where we take one issue of Batman the Long Halloween at a time and cover it with each corresponding holiday that that comic book covers, which we're excited about. I know me and Tom are excited to reread it. I am looking forward to Julia's reaction reading it for the first time. She seems to be excited to read it. It'll be curi- I'll be curious to see after the first month whether she can just go month to month or whether being an avid reader that she is, she finishes it in advance. That'll be interesting. Dude, we're all going to finish in advance. You know yeah. that. <laughs> if you want to support the show in a free way, you can obviously still find our weekly episodes in your feed every Monday morning. And please, please, please leave us a new iTunes review. Every new review helps new listeners find us. It helps us to spread the Christmas cheer 365 days per year. Plus, you may get a new sticker just for doing that. Next week, I'm excited. We're traveling across the pond to cover the Martin Freeman film, Nativity! Exclamation point. So I'll be very curious to see what Tom and Julia think of this one. But Martin Freeman, British humor, I think they'll like it. Yeah, you said Martin Freeman, so I'm in. The week after that, Tom and Julia's favorite we are journeying back to the land of ranking bass this time starring the voice talent of angela lansbury in a not as often played christmas special the first christmas the story of the first christmas snow so that'll be interesting for you well it angela lansbury automatically makes anything better she's in so you have that going for you you know the voice will be good at least you know what else is interesting guys we only have 3648 hours until christmas that's not the right number anthony <laughs> i think you're off let's see if we can rewind that let's redo that intro and this time if you wouldn't mind let's do the right number of hours <laughs> <laughs> well, well <laughs> we only have 3,648 hours until Christmas. That's only 152 days, y'all. That's 21 weeks. We're almost in the teens. We are. We are. We are at drinking age until Christmas. What? <laughs> Technically, <laughs> we won't be drinking age next 21. week when it's 21. 21. We're, drinking age. we're going backwards. We're Benjamin buttoning this thing. Yeah, we're Benjamin buttoning. No, that's true. So, <laughs> anyway, do your homework, watch Nativity, and we will speak to you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Bye, y'all. Thanks. Bye, y'all. Beaming faces everywhere, happiness is in the air, I'm telling you it isn't fair. I hate Christmas, people loaded with goodwill, giving presents, what a thrill, that sloshy nonsense makes me ill. I hate Christmas, I'd rather have a holiday like normal grouches do. Instead of getting presents, they take presents back from you. Santa girls and boys So who needs that big red noise I'll tell him where to put his toys I hate Christmas And if you want the truth I ain't so 
their Labor Day either. Christmas carols to be sung, decorations to be hung. Oh yeah, well I stick out my tongue. I hate Christmas.